Voice of Fintech. Welcome to Voice of Fintech, a podcast mapping out the Swiss and global fintech scene, connecting fintech enthusiasts with startups, incubators, accelerators, business angels and VCs, and incumbents interested in partnerships. Voice of Fintech will help you navigate the fintech ecosystem. Here you can listen to the startup founder stories, what investors and incumbents are looking for when dealing with startups, and find out more about resources provided by incubators and accelerators. My name is Rudy Fallad and I'll be hosting this podcast. Hello and welcome to Voice of Fintech. Today we're joined by the new head of F10, Garrett, and uh, new participants in the in the batch that they are having, uh, Andreas, Els, and uh, Sabrina. And we're going to talk about their startups, uh, what the program offers, what's new, and uh, have a bit of an exchange about what can be done in fintech this this year, which uh, turned out to be a different kind of year that we all uh, hoped for, maybe in January, but we will focus on opportunities. So thank you very much, uh, everyone, for joining. And uh, as I said, uh, let me start with maybe Garrett. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get to do what you do today, being a new head of F10? Okay. Uh, thanks, uh, Rudy. And uh, hi, everyone. I'm originally German, but live already since 10 years in Zurich. And well, while I've started my career in banking, I early on got infected with the entrepreneurial virus at some point uh, turned entrepreneur and uh, really loved it and since then i had uh, four startup experiences uh, one I, i co-founded myself one where i took took over the lead when the founding ceo left and actually with that last startup i also participated in a fintech accelerator program in london and had really great experience there and received great support so this year somehow i felt it was uh, time to connect these dots and uh, Yeah, give back to the ecosystem. And so, yeah, taking over the lead of F10 Zurich was an exciting opportunity. And now I have a super motivated team that's uh, yeah, burning as much as I do to help both like the great entrepreneurs and connect them with our corporate partners to, to get uh, especially the banking and insurance industry forward. Great to hear. And Alison, Sabrina, you are participants in F10. Again, how you know? How did you get to where you are today? Why are you entrepreneurs? Well, you could actually call us entrepreneurs because both Sabrina and I started our career at uh, Balwaz Insurance a couple of years ago. We are personally very much uh, behind the vision of Balwaz Group to unburden the client in every stage of their life, and. Um, Yeah, also to, to put the customer at the center of every decision. And in order to do so, the company promotes innovation and stimulates employees to think along about new solution. Because if, if every member of the Bauaza family looks at a customer problem from a different point of view, uh, well, we together we are ready for the future. But to answer your question about why we are um, entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, Well, uh, we just get so much energy from working out something from start to finish that is really based on, on a real problem. And it is very motivational also to see an idea slowly come to life, especially when you really believe in it. All right. And Andreas, uh, you're from Stableton, right? And uh, you're a serial entrepreneur. So 
How, how did that come about? I mean, uh, starting business after business. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, well, in my um, in my case, like all of my family members are entrepreneurs, so it seems to be in the genes. And throughout my life, I was always very curious and always already studied entrepreneurship in university. And um, you know, but but being a serial entrepreneur is is kind of you know just a, a label. But but every business is different, and you will need to learn so many new things. You will work with new people all over the time. You'll need to overcome new problems and challenges over over again. But the good thing is that as a serial entrepreneur, you kind of know that you will be capable of of all those things that will will eventually um, you know hit you. So that means especially dealing with problems, riding the ride from being super enthusiastic to almost full failure and back. Um, and also, you 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 kind of know that you um, need to have a special mindset and a strong personality. Uh, because you you know you're you need to be hardworking, flexible, and a fast decision maker. But you will also be forced to make hard decisions and learn to be strict and say no. And uh, you'll hear so many different opinions, thousands of no's, uh, feedbacks, and statistics that will likely predict failure already just before you start. And that's the most important thing. And I think that's what I have is that you you have to really keep going and not lose your vision and stay strong and persist and be really persistent with your goals. Right. Uh, that's good to hear. So uh, very inspirational. This is what we're trying to do here. So coming back to Garrett, uh, and I wanted to know what's new at F10 in Zurich in particular. Of course, you launched a new program in Singapore and in Spain, but in, in Zurich, uh, what's going on and what's in store for you for the rest of the year and the rest of this batch? Maybe sometimes at, uh, during these times, the question for new, I think part of it uh, or part of the answer always needs to be uh, we're dealing with the same things that challenge us like like most others, uh, whether it's programs, uh, other programs, whether it's corporates, whether it's startups. So, I mean, Corona has been definitely also a challenge for us. And I think it's a constant learning curve. Uh, where, yeah, as you know, accelerator programs are, or, or until this year, have been living uh, especially around the events during which they bring together uh, the, the cohorts of startups, uh, but also like with any other partner or investor. And uh, now we are actually, I mean, in the case of F10, we are still betting on a hybrid approach. So we say uh, the startups that uh, can and want uh, participate in person we definitely want uh, to use uh, or give this opportunity as long as possible. However, at the same time, we also need to give uh, yeah, the opportunity for the ones that maybe for travel bans cannot uh, attend or that don't feel safe enough uh, um, yeah, to participate. And that's definitely, I would say, a challenge because you quickly realize that hybrid events uh, or organizing hybrid events uh, actually means organizing two events at the same time. And I think that's something that requires both like from an attention level quite uh, uh, some some more uh, or a higher level. Uh, and at the same time also like, uh, yeah, I mean, our technical skills uh, are also evolving in how to provide these events. Um, and at the same time, uh, Corona has been also uh, quite a, a strong reminder how much we need each other. So, I mean, like as humans, like one, the other, but also among business partners and I think that has been also like uh, we have been using this time also like to to inquire with our corporate partners uh, what we're doing well, what we're not doing well. Uh, and then uh, yeah, one conclusion has been that we also need to 
get the corporate partners much closer and facilitate also actually the, the, the cross-industry exchange. So not only with the startups, but also among the partners. Uh, and the, the, the last thing maybe uh, has been also that, uh, yeah, uh, as an accelerator, your tendency uh, has been always like uh, to like focus on these super intensive programs uh, where the startups are uh, put through. Um, however, it's also natural, especially in our industries with banking and insurance, uh, that a lot of the relationships that you start off during such a program uh, take much longer until they materialize in some business. So, I mean, therefore, uh, what we are now also going to, to uh, emphasize much stronger is actually like this post-program uh, alumni relationship management where uh, for both sides, so for the corporates and the startups, it's of benefit if you continue to, to support, to uh, make sure that the connection stays active, that uh, yeah, both sides are aware of what's happening at the other uh, to then really like make it a long-term relationship and like a, a, a real ecosystem as we have it or like uh, always uh, uh, requested. And at the same time, uh, the international expansion that you just mentioned, uh, that's now also one factor uh, that's uh, more and more uh, gaining relevance, but where we need to f uh, uh, ensure that there's a balance between leveraging uh, the international access for startups and for, for the corporates uh, and at the same time, keeping the focus really like on the on the local ecosystem as a Zurich hub. Right. Great to hear. Thank you, Gerrit. Uh, and turning over to Els and Sabrina, you are obviously international members of the cohort or of the, the batch at F10 uh, based in Antwerp uh, and part of Balois. So what is your venture? Can you describe what is gold or how, uh, right, I think in Dutch... Uh, uh, trying to solve what is the problem that uh, you're focusing on and why is it worth solving as well? Um, well, let's illustrate that with an example. Let's travel in time. So you are uh, 75 years old. You've always gone wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted, but now you're not long, no longer able to do so. You depend on your friends, your family, public transport, and these options do not always meet your needs. Some are, uh, for example, too expensive, others not flexible enough, or maybe you're left out because you don't meet the acceptance criteria of that service, and that makes you less active than you actually want to be. Well, that's the, this, this is exactly the issue we are trying to tackle. And research also shows that there is a huge drop in um, mobility between the age of 75 and 80, and that a car is the uh, preferred means of transportation among the uh, European seniors. And when they cannot drive their own car anymore, or they don't feel comfortable doing so any longer, they rarely switch to another type of transportation. And this shows that stopping to drive leads to immobility and in turn leads uh, to isolation and loneliness unfortunately all right but how does it work then i mean uh, so let's say i'm a 75 you know uh, in a few weeks uh, so uh, how is that going to work uh, what's your solution 
So with Hout, we want to help fight loneliness and contribute to safer traffic. Hout will provide that affordable and flexible transport for elderly and um, that with a personal touch. So our service differentiates itself by offering some extras, such as helping the elderly where necessary. For example, um, carrying the groceries inside or uh, replacing a light bulb. And in a later stage, we would also like to introduce some trips for small groups. So how do we want to do this? We want to help fight that loneliness by matching the elderly with young retirees as their driver, because um, both parties are looking for social contact and companionship. That way we combine the pleasant with the useful. We also want to motivate the elderly to remain active and curious. They choose where they want to go and when, because we would like them to stay in charge of their own mobility. How is this uh, relevant and why is uh, Baluard supporting this? Yes, of course, indeed. So um, we as an insurance company want to go uh, further than only the insurance. So we we want to go beyond insurance. And uh, this is a a very relevant topic these days because at this moment, um, 19% of the Belgian population is older than 65. And by uh, 2046... Um, it will even exceed 25%. So uh, due to the aging of the population, more and more elderly will definitely need such a service to preserve uh, life quality. And in addition, we also believe that uh, the pandemic will only enlarge the loneliness issue and the need of a personal means of transportation will even increase in our opinion. So uh, therefore, we think we, uh, yeah, we, we are in the right position to, to make such a service to also an alternative um, solution for the elderly who can't get an insurance anymore if they uh, grow older and are not comfortable anymore riding, driving their own car. Right, right. So very interesting. I like that a lot uh, because obviously we all have parents and uh, you know they will get to that age. So we need to find some solution, right? Especially if you don't live in the same city as a lot of people don't do these days. So, and Andreas, uh, turning over to you again, uh, you said obviously that founding a business uh, every time it was a different business, but you know, you're a serial entrepreneur. So how does that feel uh, doing it again? Uh, what are the similarities though? I mean, every business is different, but I guess maybe you get the same adrenaline rush when you're trying to start a new business or not. Yeah. So, I mean, there are different there are definitely advantages of um, doing it again. First, as I mentioned previously, um, the challenges are always new. You can't um, overcome those. They're always new. But on the other hand, you, you learn a lot from the lessons. And because as an entrepreneur, you're learning a lot, something that you would never learn in a, in a normal career. So you always um, naturally have um, have a lot of lessons learned, both um, positive and negative ones. And uh, you're obviously keeping the positive uh, lessons and and outcomes and trying to mitigate the, the other ones. Um, otherwise, um, you know, because you're dealing with different topics and different stakeholders, such as with an investor view, a customer view, a product view, you also get a, just a generally broader view about the different perspectives of the different stakeholders and and thus um, for the next venture it also helps to optimize um, and perfect your business model taking into account much better the different uh, perspectives and creating really win-win situations for all parties involved 
Right. So let's explain a little bit about the Stableton, right? It's a digital marketplace for alternative assets or alternative investments. Sorry. So what does that mean? How does that work? Right. With our um, managed marketplace for alternative investments, we're effectively solving both a business and a tech problem. So the business the business problem consists of um, making a very fragmented, hard to access market with large minimums and very difficult regulations to enter alternative investments um, much, much easier for investors. So in effect, there is a concept called the aggregation theory, which everyone knows from the likes of Airbnb, Uber, or Netflix, which uh, offer a very convenient and curated way to access supply. And in our case, the supply are alternative investments. Um, and the The main point of differentiation is to to create a great user experience. Um, um, And and the tech problem which we are tackling is that uh, currently in the distribution and investment of alternative investments, all is really um, difficult with paperwork and this calls in physical meetings. So we are including a lot uh, of data and analytics. We are offering an asynchronous way of dealing and interacting both digital and online, but also especially personalized and curated. So you can also think of Amazon of alternative investments. And the outcome of both dimensions is effectively a super strong value proposition to both investors and providers of alternative investments, where investors can expand their investment options and universe, exactly like the largest and most sophisticated investors can. And on the other hand, the providers such as managers or fintechs um, and distributors, they can effectively and efficiently generate new leads and assets for their products. So um, a win-win situation for everyone involved. Right. Uh, but when you say alternative investments, uh, you know, being in Switzerland and coming maybe from an incumbent's perspective, uh, it begs the question, who are your target clients and uh, what's the kind of interaction with the regulators, right? So, how does that work for you? I mean, who who can invest on your platform and uh, how are you regulated if you are? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as a two-sided marketplace, we've got the two sides. One is the investor and the other side is the provider of alternative investments. Over the time, we are going to uh, further develop the model into an N-sided marketplace, also uh, including service providers and due diligence providers and um, secondary play- liquidity providers, etc. But r- right now, the investors, they consist of an end client, which we approach via two distinct go-to-market models. One model is the indirect distribution, where we distribute to financial intermediaries, such as banks, wealth managers, and family offices that introduce our products or our offerings in the marketplace to their clients. And then we've got the direct distribution model where we target private clients directly. And most, however, most of our products are uh, reserved for private qualified clients, but we also do have some products available for uh, retail clients. Um, right, that's what I meant. So the qualified clients are, are what in Switzerland? Um, there are different types of qualified clients. Either they're really rich, or they are experienced and rich enough, or they are clients of a wealth manager and are in a, in a permanent um, advisory or discretionary um, relationship with a, man- with a wealth manager, for example. And thus, when we distribute via a wealth manager, in most cases, uh, they can buy them for their end clients, even if they are themselves not, an, not a um, 
private qualified client, but they are they're becoming one just because um, their their wealth manager is making the decisions for them. I see. That's clear. That's clear. So, but why did you choose to participate in F10 program? The F10 program is really kind of the standout program here in Switzerland. When it and it, when it comes to early stage fintech incubation and acceleration programs, there is really no better program in Switzerland, but probably also not in the world so that's likely one of the best in the world and also and also no really it's um i mean switzerland is despite its small size um really the hub for financial intermediaries so for example it's um you know there are different statistics but switzerland counts among the largest markets for private wells so we are just right at the right uh, place with our business but also where f10 is active um so we participated for a number of reasons one is the powerful network via the coaches mentors and corporates where it's really easy to access the who is who in fintech and finance in general in switzerland the second thing is the opportunity to work with those high profile uh, roasters of corporate members such as six exchange julius bear balwas zkb tx and many more furthermore it's the label of quality to have F10, you know, as a milestone in your um, pass, but also as an investor for future funding rounds. And finally, the content of the program also helps to improve our offering and, and how we do, uh, how we work on a daily basis. Whereas ourselves, I mean, we are already quite experienced and far in terms of product strategy and traction, but still for any other startup that's just starting freshly, it's just really um, tremendously valuable. Right. And from your perspective, Alice and Sabrina... Why did you participate in? Uh, why did you choose to participate in F10 program? Yeah, um, as uh, Andreas already said, Bauhaus Insurance is a corporate member of um, F10, so they're trying to help their corp- corporate members to get ahead of the the competition, let's say. And Bauhaus is is an is a company who invests in its employees by constantly offering opportunities to step out of your comfort zone. And yeah, that stimulates creativity and uh, allows you to also grow as a, a human being. In fact, that's what led us to F10. Last year, Balwaza Group launched an international innovation pipeline concerning mobility. And Sabrina, Sabrina and I decided to submit our ID. And that's uh, where our adventure began. We were selected to further research and develop our uh, solution for elderly within the F10 program. And therefore, we uh, got a chance to temporarily step out of our daily jobs to be fully focused on making our IT come to life. Okay, great. Lucky. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how do you measure success of the partnerships with early stage companies or, you know, uh, maybe look at it in a different way? One of the appeals of the F10 program is for the startups to get in touch with the corporates, right? You... Uh, you have a corporate member already, like Baloas, or there may be others. So, how do you s- seize the success? Maybe first from Garrett's perspective, uh, and then from others. Uh, when you graduate from the program, what w- what would you like to uh, have accomplished by then? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I would say uh, th- there's of course like maybe some overarching uh, objectives, but in the end, the objectives are partly uh, differing per both like corporate members as per startups. I mean, as Andreas also already pointed out, the objectives uh, are, of course, different ones. Maybe if you're an entrepreneur who knows already like how to start a company, but who uh, especially uh, can can leverage such a platform uh, for access to corporate members and like meeting them in, an, in a non-sales pitch uh, environment. Um, but I mean, like if, if you were completely like looking for KPIs, I mean, definitely things like, 
number of collaborations between our startups and the corporations. Uh, however, like in the early stage program, sometimes uh, also like even the 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 uh, the uh, number of like qualitative engagements with the corporates uh, as a start of really like this uh, relationship cycle that you have or, or customer uh, life cycle uh, is already like a, a good measure. Uh, and at the same time, we're also aware that, for example, some of these uh, metrics that, that we uh, need to measure ourselves on, like with our corporate uh, partners, are only achievable like uh, uh, over a longer time horizon. So we're uh, also therefore like uh, starting to, to track this more uh, beyond the programs to, to also like yeah, reconnect and measure like the collaboration interaction uh, uh, yeah not only in this short time window uh, that we have maybe like a high touch uh, relationship with with, uh, with either side great so uh, I, I would assume this is the same for you else and Sabrina and uh, and for Andreas you know how many uh, contacts you have with the corporate members and POCs etc but what I also like about F10, and uh, just remind everyone, I guess I've been <laughs> mentoring at F10 as well, so yes. I'm a bit uh, biased potentially. Yeah. But what I like about it is that you do deliver content other than uh, networking and providing access yes. to the corporate members. <laughs> because uh, my feeling is that uh, sometimes the universities, they... <laughs> They lack in terms of in terms of content and uh, you know about entrepreneurial finance, for example, right? And the yeah. practical skills you need as a as yeah. a founder of a startup yeah. uh, from a business perspective, maybe from a technical perspective mm -hmm. and coding, it's all there. Yeah. But from a business perspective, you know you have lots of yeah. uh, master classes that you provide. So uh, maybe anything from Else and Sabrina and and Andreas that you could add, like what do you. What do you expect from the program, uh, which we maybe haven't talked about yet? Um, so, yeah, the masterclasses really um, help us put the theory into practice. So you get a really broad perspective or um, a high level introduction to what you would need to do. Um, and then it's always up to us to then put that theory into practice. So that's very, uh, very helpful. And yeah, as um, Andreas already said, the networking is is really a very great opportunity Um there have uh, been a lot of people who have reached out to us from areas that we wouldn't have expected before starting this program. So yeah, that's really a great uh, a great help. And maybe if I also may add, I mean, like a uh, part like uh, of the collaboration. I mean, uh, for for a lot of young companies that participate in a program, I mean, you have like two urgent needs. I mean, cus customer and like proving your 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 market fit is of course uh, number one. But as that, especially in, uh, in fintech and insurtech uh, or financial services and insurance industry, may take uh, partly a bit longer. Uh, you need some some uh, yeah, funding to actually bridge up to that point. So investors uh, are then like one of the other two big metrics. I mean that's that's uh, something that we of course therefore also like uh, yeah um, emphasizing, uh, working on, connecting. But also measuring then like what is like the funding success of the startups out of the program and related, uh, I mean then some some derived KPIs like okay survival rate of the startups uh, and then of course like growth in the mid and long term. Okay, understood. Uh, I just wanted to ask you also 
maybe let's take a step back and look at the things from a bigger picture perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, we are going through the pandemic in different countries in a different way. Uh, financial services and uh, or insurance uh, has been changing uh, or have been changing for, for quite some time. Where do you see the key innovation focus for both uh, fintech and intertech and related kind of uh, innovations? Um, and uh, is, has any of it been impacted also positively by the pandemic? In other words, accelerated perhaps, right? Um, the, the obvious impact that uh, the pandemic had, of course, was that any company, including the banks, uh, and insurances uh, have been like made aware how important it is like to have a digital channel, uh, both like for internal communication as well as for client engagement. Uh, and I think so. Therefore, anything uh, that that is helping like on this in this uh, omni-channel context, uh, both like to deliver or to communicate, uh, but also to yeah to assess risks or to like, comply with regulation uh, for these digital channels, I think has, has definitely uh, received uh, some booster. Um, but I think, of course, the, the pandemic is only one factor that everyone maybe like in the short term has to deal, or in the short and near term has to deal with. Uh, on the other side, uh, yeah, we need to look at, of course, also like a bit on the Swiss market specificities maybe. And there uh, I've seen uh, quite a bit of, uh, yeah, um, time lag, for example, to, to for some of the trends that have maybe come over from 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 the US to Europe, and where uh, Switzerland sometimes had uh, had a bit more of an observing uh, position, and then like uh, with a time lag of like uh, two or three years, sometimes uh, some topics come into the market. I mean, similar to what we are still waiting for, uh, like open banking, uh, something that has been started here with a market driven initiative. Uh, 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 coordinated by by six, but currently like tackling first like the business banking. But I think these these open banking and cross industry uh, use cases uh, that are facilitated by it, I think that's still something to come and where there's big potential. And on the other side, the the uh, use of data is still at a very nascent stage, uh, where yeah, for risk. Uh, and compliance uh, topics, data already quite uh, strongly used. But for anything like front service related, client service uh, distribution, I think it's still like in a, in a super uh, tiny stage. And the same, uh, I mean, AI, uh, I think is, is used already like for back office uh, uh, and, and middle office applications. But I think there's there's uh, plenty of room for, for those to, to expect a lot of innovation uh, also here in Switzerland. All right. And Andreas, from your perspective? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so there are definitely a lot of key innovation areas um, in our space. Um, for example, the value creation is more and more taking place in private markets, uh, whereas the public markets are um, rather expensive, interest rates are low, and, and, and therefore there is a limited number of options for the typical investor to invest in traditional assets. Um, also, um, you know, therefore, uh, more and more investors are actually requesting access to those non-traditional uh, options. And, and also generally, I think um, everywhere in the consumer space that you're seeing, the large winners are really the ones that create great user experience, functionality and convenience. 
for the uh, the end client. So, thus, also financial services are now changing at an ever increasing speed that you can see with the emergence of new banks, uh, but also access to alternatives via. Uh, let's say different um, vertically focused fintechs and we are making this access even easier and curated with our offering and especially in today's environment uh, with so many uh, so much new tech but also a lot of smart minds everywhere there just cannot be areas which remains uh, remain inefficient with unhappy customers anymore and so we are aiming to be the winner in our space in the space of alternatives Okay, and else and Sabrina, any thoughts about the future? I know that the future seems uh, a big, big universe for you, but uh, <laughs> but still. Yeah, indeed. I, we also think that digital transformation is indeed an imo- important factor, but we also believe that um, the personal approach will become even more important in the future. Well, that's that's what we see in our surroundings because um, yeah, companies with on the one hand a high customer loyalty and on the other hand uh, the flexibility to adapt their business to the needs of the market, they keep standing strong while others um, go down un- unfortunately, and therefore uh, I think building even an even stronger customer relationship will remain or become the main priority in the in the future. Uh, the pandemic also causes a lot of business uh, to fail, which uh, then in turn will also lead to a new wave of innovations. And to pick up on something that Andreas already said, a crisis really demands um, a quick adaptation to a new normal and also accelerates the need for, for new solutions. So therefore, it allows innovators to create quick and um, impactful changes. So some tangible examples are that employees now work remotely, uh, more and more happens online, and, and the use of contact payment methods. Is, is really a big need. So these changing habits create new opportunities for innovators, but um, yeah, also insurance products will need to be adapted. Great. So great to hear that uh, you're focusing on opportunities, right? Do not just uh, the issues. So that's what I wanted to hear. And uh, so thank you very much for your time. And uh, I just wanted to ask uh, each of you, where, where is the be- what's the best way to reach out and to find out more about what you do? Yeah. Let's let's start with Gerrit. I guess that's the <laughs> most obvious, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, no. So I mean, like, uh, definitely reach out. Uh, I mean, either like with some some general inquiries, like which we then can like direct to the right people via info at uh, f10.global. Uh, so yeah, happy to point you, even like if it's like to to our startups or alumni. And else and Sabrina. Um, it's always easy to can contact us on uh, LinkedIn. So if you have a specific question, don't hesitate. Just uh, send us a message. Yeah. All right. I put your links in the in the show notes. And Andreas. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So I'm always very happy to connect with you, um, everyone on LinkedIn. Um, hopefully via a preferable warm intro, or you can also send an email to info at stables.com. But we also suggest that you check out our, webs- our website, stableston.com, or sign up directly at marketplace.stableston.com. just takes less than 60 seconds, and it's free of charge. And then you'll be able yeah. to browse all the current and past investment opportunities, and uh, then we can take it from there. I already did, Andreas. You know, so don't <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm there. So thank you very much again, and good luck to uh, Stableton, Hood, and uh, F10, obviously. Thanks a lot for having us. Thanks so much, Rudy. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening to Voice of Fintech podcast. If you haven't already, check out also voiceoffintech.com, where you will find all the episodes and additional resources related to the podcast. You can also subscribe to Voice of Fintech on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any other podcast app that you like. If you have any suggestions on the topics or guests, or how to make this podcast better for you, please email us at info at Happy to hear from you. Thank you.